I love the way the First Gen Lounge makes me feel. Because it creates a space where I belong, where we're able to create community. The fact that it's a community. It's a safe place. It also gives me a place to understand different perspectives. The stories of these individuals prescribe transformational perspective. I receive encouragement, enlightenment, empowerment. And also serve as a catalyst to just keep going. Where we're able to be our true selves. I'm allowed to be an unapologetic first gen. And above all else, tell our story. And every episode is unique. I love it. I'm your host, Dr. Eve, and I'd like to welcome you to the First Gen Lounge. All right, good people. Your favorite day of the week is Thursday, and I'm here with our new best friend, our brother, Mr. Donald Coleman. Donald, what's up, homie? I am excited to be here with you. I'm happy. This is my favorite day of the week. I hate your favorite day. Mine too. Mine too. Because of good people like you. Like, I ain't even lying. It's it's nice to be able to connect with us. And I say us, you know, first generation college graduates, because there's so much about life that we have to share with each other. So thank you for coming on to the show, my friend. I do appreciate you for taking the time, especially since you fancy going, you know, to San Diego and all tomorrow. <laughs> Get ready for a conference. Con- but that's good, though. Professional development. See, he's on this call and he's got big things going on. People take notes, make time for what you make time for, but don't ever get aside of yourself. All right, so look, I've read your biography and I think it's really cool, but I'm not going to read it. I want you to tell us from the inside who you are. What is it that you do? What's your story? Mm, what's my story? Let's see. Oh, look, um, yeah, I'm asking the question now. You got to tell me now. <laughs> I do have to tell you. I really do. So I would say I am Donald Coleman. I am junior. I'm my ancestors' wildest dreams. I think that I'm a product of my experiences, my education, my knowledge, definitely my grandfather's prayers, my grandma's caring. I think that uh, my parents' youth, siblings' laughter. I'm made up of cocoa butter, glitter, education, Pell Grant trio program. Um, I'm a first generation college student and graduate. And I think that all my experiences have made me who I am today. You said cocoa butter glitter, your your grandfather's prayers. Come on now, you write poetry, don't you? Open spoken spoken word. I don't, but I'm I am a creative though, so uh, sometimes you are it just creative. Comes out. I mean, it was all right there. <laughs> so of all of those things that make you who you are, are there any of those that just really really sit with you? Like, what is that one thing that you think has really made you who you are? really made me who I am. I would say it probably is my identity as a first generation college student graduate. And I say that because I did grow up in a low socioeconomic area. And I think that Mm -hmm. that provided a grit and just something you can't buy, something you can't learn within me to want to achieve and succeed. I just remember applying for colleges in the project, trying to find, you know, a printer because we didn't have one at home and trying to figure out ways to get a waiver because I couldn't afford to apply to multiple colleges. So I'm like, okay, I got this one waiver from this trio program. I'm applied to one college. I applied to one college. Never even stepped mm. foot on the college. It was just like, I looked through the brochures and said, that looks cool. And then my cousin went there. So I was like, he likes it. So it got to be a good school. <laughs> and that's kind of, you know, that's my experience. And that's how I, that's why I'm here. So what was it that even made you interested in going to college? Just like to have a genuine interest? Because again, you're first yeah. generation of body done from the hood. Yeah, I think that, you know, my, I would always attribute it to my mother. My mother definitely spoke a lot of life into us growing up and she always told me and my sister and my siblings you know you're going to college like she already had our college planned out for us based on tv shows like a different world 
and watching the movie School Days. Like, she always told my sister she was going to Spelman and I was going to Morehouse. We didn't apply to those. But, um, you know, it was just the idea and the mindset of, oh, I'm going to college. So it was never even a second guess or a question on whether or not I was going to pursue higher education because my mama told me so. So, and that's just kind of, it always was in the front of my mind as I went through school. My mama said, your mama told you, so you had no choice, like make that happen. You got no choice. But that just is what it is. But it's good that you, you know, that you did anyway, because for your mom to not have an education to encourage you to get one and for you to think enough of her and respect her enough to do it, you know, that's real nice because sometimes we as teenagers especially have the tendency to say, well, you ain't do it. So why did I do right. it? Right. So that's real dope. That's real dope. And so you decided rather than going to an HBCU, I ain't judging though. You went to Georgia State. <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm not judging. But you went to Georgia State. So you ended up staying in state, right? Yes. Why not go out of state? Um, the reason I didn't and the reason I went to Georgia State, it was the cheapest school at the time. One of the cheapest schools. Okay. And I was just looking at, you know, finances and I was reading all these books from the library because back then you went to the library and checked out books. So it's like 101 things you need to know about college. <laughs> reading it, reading it, reading it. Trying to make sure I checked off all the lists. And, you know, and my sister, she's a year above me. So she went to college first. So we were reading the books together. And so she was one year above me. We were trying to figure it out together because I'm applying while she's ready to go off. And so she's one of my biggest inspirations too because we were like, we're doing this. We, we getting up out of here. Um, nice. And so... In Georgia State, for me, we both went to schools where we know we can get the HOPE scholarship because back then the HOPE would cover a lot of, between the HOPE scholarship and the Pell Grant, you know, we were pretty, we were taken care of in terms Straight. of not having to take mm-hmm. loans and different things, especially at a state school. And so that's the main reason I went to Georgia State because it was accessible, it was cheap, and it also was four hours away from um, home. I grew up in Savannah, Georgia, um, and it was close enough, but far enough to get a different experience. I can dig that. And I accept because I know that you said you were just kind of looking and applying. I looked at actually schools in Georgia. So I was looking everywhere. Georgia, Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina. I just, wherever it's going to set me and give me money, that's how I was looking at it. And okay. um, I mentioned that because I ended up going to Shaw and it's in Raleigh, which is about three hours from home for me. But I really was trying to get to Clark Atlanta. So we probably would have ran across, you know, each other's path anyway. Because that used to be my dream. Atlanta, yeah. Clark, Clark was my dream. Clark was your dream? Uh, Shut up. Yes. Clark was my dream. I was I, uh, I really like Clark. back then I was a theater theater major because I went to a performing arts high school. And nice. They okay. had, and I was looking for a school and I wanted to go to HBCU and they had a really good theater program. But I ended up looking at Georgia State and I'm like, oh, they got a theater program, too. And it was cheaper. So it was all about cost, really. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I'm with you all day. All about cost. So fast forwarding to, you know, you going through school, you go through your four years and you go through your master's degree. You're now a full, full grown up because, you know, this is all about that first generation college graduate life what happens after you're done with school has there been anything thus far that you've learned that you wish somebody would have told you i wish somebody would have told me um i would say that you know looking at life post graduate school so when you're in undergrad and you're going through and you're still a member of either student support services or you got your other programs on campus and resources you know people are assisting you and hopefully if you have good people like i did at georgia state to help get you to graduation You know, once you enter in that real life, you know, I'm still reading articles and books and stuff, trying to figure out 401ks and different things. Mm -hmm. Um, Once I started getting a real job um, and things that, you know, might have not been my parents' experience of having to go through those processes of, you know, starting a new job. And so um, still, I think it's and I tell my students this, too, is just, you know, it doesn't end. It's like a new cycle of being a first generation. So now you're a first generation professional. And what does that mean for you? And what does that look like? And what, what are some ways you have to navigate that you may not be able to get an answer from home? 
home when somebody else can call their parent and ask a question. And mm-hmm. You may not be able to do that. You know, nowadays we got Google and this other stuff, but it's still something about that experience from a loved one who can share with you um, the path to take or which way to go. I mean, so for me, I ended up in the profession of higher education because of my experience at Georgia State because I felt like I had such great mentors and such great people like the late Dr. Pamela Anthony, um, Dr. Kimberly Frazier, you know, um, Dr. Danifu Elson, some amazing people that I saw who helped me transition through college that I wanted to do that for someone else. And so I was really passionate about the work of assisting students, getting them to college first and then through college. So that's the field I ended up in working. We are kindred spirits and it's funny how our our situations parallel such that college was so impactful for both of us that we wanted to spend our lives and dedicate our lives to doing what other people did for us. I love that. I really do. So that's exciting to hear. But I, I didn't do it as long as you. I don't think I left the game. I needed some breathing room. You should have heard there. me when I, when I was reading 1865. I was like snapping my fingers and like, oh, this is my life. She don't know me. She don't know my testimony. <laughs> you, don't know, you don't know my story. <laughs> Who wrote my book? Who wrote my book? <laughs> She tripping. I'm gonna have to go back and call. Like, no, I love that. Honestly, yeah, because honestly, even when you asked me to be on here, I was like, ooh, I can't be telling my business. But then I I thought about like how vulnerable (laughs) you were in telling your story and how I saw myself within that. And I'm, you know, I'm like, our stories need to be shared and need to be heard. And people tell me that all the time. People tell me when I tell you at least once a week, or you know, somebody always like, you need to do this or do that or share your story or share this. And I'm like, I'm just living. So mm. to me, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm not doing anything extraordinary. But somebody else may say, oh, you're doing this X, Y, Z, list off these things. And I'm like, I'm just out here living. I'm just trying to get my inheritance. I can feel that. Definitely can feel that. And, you know, what you're saying, let me go back and say thank you for um, for your kind words. I really do appreciate that, especially about the book. And after I wrote it and published it and people had it, I was like, Ooh, should I have said that? <laughs> um, I'm like, it's too late now. No take back. But. I think how we heal and how we grow and how we help each other, because I'm all about helping other people. It's really is by being vulnerable. Um, the people who generally gotten to me the, the most, the deepest are the individuals who were vulnerable with me and transparent with me. So I think that those mm-hmm. things are essential. So I, I thank you for being, you know, as open as you want to be, because, you know, you choose how vulnerable you want to be. And I'm like, so much more I could have shared, but it was still, you know, a thing to where even thinking about working with students, they connect to you because they can relate to you. And relatability is very important in being able to help students succeed. So kudos mm-hmm. to you, you know, for, for your openness. Um, thinking about being open, I'm curious about something which entails success and failure. What do you believe to this point has been your biggest success and perhaps your biggest failure? Okay. I would say my biggest failure, if it counts as a failure, I think it's just staying too loyal to situations. And that includes work situations, especially just because I was dedicated to the work, but I might have not been getting the value that I should have been getting. Um, but I love the students and I love the work I was doing, but maybe the institution wasn't loyal to me. Mm. Um, and I think sometimes, especially in higher ed, we can be loyal to a fault in terms of our careers mm-hmm. and what we're trying to do and achieve and our connections with our students at an institution. Um, that sometimes we sacrifice that, especially professionals of color, because sometimes, sometimes you might be the only person that the students can look up to or might be the only person that's a voice for the students um, in this particular situation. So probably I would say... That's probably I probably my career could have been more advanced had I left some situate work situations in the past. 
So that's just one thing I can think of off the top of my head. And success, I would have to say, is being able to take a risk in my career or being able to do certain things. So last year, I had the opportunity to sell with Semester IC for a semester. Mm-hmm. And um, how was that? I had to take a whole leave of absence from work. Oh, wow. So I had to take a whole leave of absence and I was nervous. I was scared if they were going to let me, were they going to let me keep my job. And I had a great dean, Dr. Dispro, who really supported me with that um, in terms of the experiential learning and knowing the experience that students can get from that. So I um, so from September through December of 2017, I was sailing around the world on a ship and so you know and I had only ever been out of the country one time before that and that was on a school trip with Georgia State and so being able to visit 10 different countries and have these experiences with students um, and lead trips and do different things I think to me stepping out on that faith and being able to actually take a break from what I was doing and asking to be able to go I feel like that's very successful for me because I got to learn a lot of things and also have some great relationships with students because when you travel around the world you get to really know people and on oh yeah <laughs> And I always tell people, you know, it's like so emotional to be traveling. So we were traveling to Ghana across the Atlantic, you know, going the opposite way, you know. And so that was so powerful to me, you know, just knowing the history of our ancestors and, you know, the transatlantic slave trade, you know, just very Mm -hmm. powerful situations and experiences. So to me, that's probably one of my most successful things I've done in life. I love that. And I I love travel. So I love to hear that even as a first generation college graduate, you know, that you've been able to really seize the opportunities and that you found a way to 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 work it out because we don't always know what we can do because of the limitations that we are so used to. So kudos to you for that. What was your favorite country? Ooh, so I have two. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I have two. I can never, I can never just say one. Like I love them all, um, but I would say my top two were definitely Ghana. So going to Ghana, seeing melanin every single where, mm. um, people saying welcome home. It was really a wow. It was very welcome home. Really? Welcome home. When I tell you, I said, oh, I got to get myself up. Y'all know I'm six seven. I'm like, if I fall out crying, who's gonna pick me up? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, it was a very just welcoming experience to seeing black and brown faces everywhere. Mm. Just, you know, being the majority instead of the minority mm. uh, was definitely a great experience for me. And I got to stay in a village. It was just a wonderful experience. And so that's probably one of my favorite countries. And then also India, because I just felt nice. the, the colors, the sights, the people, the warmth, just really, really enjoyed um, the experience. It's usually I get the feeling that I get. I'm like, you know, the, the feeling that I'm, when I'm in a place, I'm stepping on the soil of a different country is what really stays with me. You know, just remembering that feeling. Because there's some countries that I'm like, like, I don't know if I'm going back. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but those two definitely, definitely resonate with me. Malab, just make sure I keep those on the list. Thank you for sharing that. Yep. Ghana and India. Ghana and India. I had a student who just went to Ghana for study abroad for a semester and mm. loved it. Absolutely loved it. So I'm hearing good things about Ghana. My gotta husband go. and I talked about going to Egypt. So that's on our list. Okay. So I guess we got to put Ghana on it too. He's knowing something about go. Egypt. I'm right under I Egypt. I want to see the pyramids. I want to see the pyramids. <laughs> that's why I'm going. I don't know about you. No, <laughs> but all good. It's right up under it. <laughs> Um, I love that you say that laughter is something that there's always room for. Do you have a favorite movie? 
your favorite comedy? Ooh, let's see. Now, I am a black 90s movie connoisseur. That's my thing. Um, so I love, love, love movies. I can quote them all. Let's see. I usually, my go-tos when I need to laugh, usually my Martin DVDs. I still watch DVDs. Um, my Martin DVDs, for sure. That keeps me laughing. In terms of movies, I just like so many. Like, Friday, um, all types of movies keep me laughing. I just, I love to laugh. Nothing wrong with, like you said, nothing wrong with laughter. I, I love to laugh as well. I can't say that I have a favorite at this moment or like one that comes to me, but Tyler Perry, like his his stage plays used to be good. Um, they did. Well, you know, like, I mean, not saying they used to be, they're still good, like they're classics, but when I think about humor and funny, I think that's like one yeah. of the times I connected to. So that's um that's what's up though. But I was like, let me just ask, because I know I did see that and I just want to know because you, you continue to laugh throughout this conversation. You continue to just, you're so joyous and I appreciate that. I love laughing. Um, I, one, of my, one of my taglines is leading with laughter. And so mm. what I try to do, even in my leadership, when my administrator part of the job, I'm always, if my staff is not enjoying themselves or having a good time, I just feel like we're not being true to who we are. And if I'm not laughing, I'm not being my authentic self. And so leading with mm. laughter, I think laughter definitely provides a vulnerability and authenticity for me, especially when working with students. Because if you can't laugh with students, you know, sometimes administrators feel like it'd be all stuffy. And so, but for me, I definitely enjoy laughing with my students. I did a TEDx talk on leading with laughter a couple of years mm. ago. Um, mm. So I definitely, definitely, definitely prescribe to leading with laughter. Love that. Tell us at this moment, thinking about leading with laughter and, you know, just what you believe about life. What are some of the things that you value and how do your values show up in your life? That is such a good question. So I value, I definitely value people and their experiences and their truth. I think that we, when someone comes to us or shares their experience, we have to accept people as they show up. Um, and I think that sometimes as educators and mentors, we know people when they're not showing up as their full selves. And sometimes we want to pull that out of them, but we have to meet people where they're at and allow them the opportunity to be who they are while coaching or helping them to get to that level of greatness. I value family. So I definitely love my family. I'm thankful for my family. I value freedom. And whatever that looks like right now in these times, I value um, faith because I know faith has definitely brought me this far in my life. And I just value friendship um, and an opportunity just to connect with beautiful souls. Mm, beautiful. So connect with beautiful souls. When's your birthday again? I'm, I'm starting to feel like we're twins. I am a Virgo. It's September 1st. Huh? What? Happy belated. Why, thank you. I'm actually an Aquarius, so that is really funny. That is very funny, oh. actually. January 26th. So that means everybody can get me a birthday gift. Now y'all know. Though. Like y'all know. You now y'all know. Y'all put it, put, it, <laughs> put it in your calendar. <laughs> right now. Um, gosh, this has been so, so, so fun. You are easy to talk to. And that's something that I really enjoy. So thinking about being easy to talk to and thinking about all the nuggets you shared, even in this conversation. If I were to ask you as a first generation college graduate for some pearls of wisdom for living my best life. What would you tell me? What advice would you give me? Ooh, living your best life. I living think my that, best um, life. Oh. Ooh, I ain't going back and forth with these things. <laughs> no. um, that's my jam. Do you hear me? Yes, I do. I play that in the morning on the way to work and I be jigging, jigging. By the time I get to the parking lot, I turn it down though. Um, but I be on the highway, <laughs> down 75, that thing is on turned and these boys speakers be on lit but uh living your best life i think for me 
And I think that living living your best life, I think giving yourself credit for where you are in that moment and really assessing where you are to live your best life. Because sometimes we aren't where we want to be and that's okay. But how do we celebrate ourselves in that moment? Because I think sometimes we, and I know especially when I work with first generation college students, do a lot is envisioning the future and where they want to be and sometimes not celebrating the space in between. And so really, really, really being cognizant and present in the moment and really celebrating and having gratitude for what you have at that moment. And I think that leads you to the best life ever and getting to what you consider to be your best life and knowing that there are phases to your best life. My best life today would not be my best mm-hmm. life in five years from now. It's going to be better. And I'm already, you know, I'm, I'm celebrating that too, but I'm celebrating mm-hmm. where, I am, where I'm at today. And I think that gratitude definitely carries you over to the next phase of your best life. Hmm, I love that. God, I tell you, I said it on almost every interview, but I'm for real. I love, love connecting with us because, man, with what I get, like, it's phases of it. I've never heard anybody say that. And that's something to carry. What it's going to look like today is not what it's going to look like tomorrow. And you know that, but every part of it is your best life. Go mm-hmm. write your book. Go ahead and get that book written. See, Go ahead. Look at God. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna buy it. I promise. I'm gonna I'm, I'm buy it. We're talk about it on the podcast. We're gonna bring you back. We load it up, man. Oh man. Well, we're getting to a point of of closing. Um, oh closing no. Interview. I know, right? I they can talk for hours more. <laughs> I, you know, I believe it, and I can too. But I be thinking about the fact that people don't want to listen for hours. You ain't gonna listen because I'm not listening <laughs> to nobody for now. I'm just gonna tell you, <laughs> unless it's NDI, I'll listen to that. <laughs> yeah, oh, you know, you funny. I um, uh, but no, really, I have really, really enjoyed this. And as we are wrapping up, you know, is there even a message for the people out there? It's your time to shine. Is there a message out there that you want to leave the rest of our our people with, our family with? What do you want to tell our family? Definitely, I definitely got to tell our our family. I think that the, the number one thing is that, um, and I have to catch myself on this sometimes, is don't forget to reach back. I think mm. that, you know, we we're trying to make it and we're like, ooh, I don't know if I have time to mentor. I don't know if I have time to do this because I'm trying to get to this place. Um, and I'm already starting from a point um, that's behind other people who may have had support and who parents may have went to college. But don't forget to reach back because we need to be for those younger people who we need it. And sometimes people don't understand our struggle, our journey, the way we will understand someone else who is in that same situation of uh, being a first generation college student. And so I definitely, definitely want to just leave the people with, don't forget to reach back um, and pull somebody else up also. Mm, Absolutely. I absolutely believe that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Donna, for being on the show. I'm sure that some of the family is going to want to find you on the internet. So can you tell them how they can do that? They can. And I'm trying to be more open with this because usually I'm a real private person. All my stuff is private, but I'm going to open it for the people. Um, on Instagram, you can definitely find me at Tall DC. That's just Tall and my initials. I'm always on Instagram, so you, that's probably the best place because you can definitely reach me there. Um, or you can also, if you want to send me an email, you can email me at TallBlackTraveler at gmail.com. Y'all got that. I'm sure y'all got that. Awesome. Well, again, Donald, I thank you so very much for being on the show. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your experiences and being willing to just give us what you have to give i'm sure that this is going to touch the person the people that it needs to touch because you definitely touched me today and give me some things to think about so thank you my friend wishing you well and everything and safe travels on tomorrow 
thank you so much for having me. I really, really enjoyed this time and the space. Thank you for allowing me into your space because it is a sacred space that I'm tuned in every Thursday. Um, hey, your favorite day. It's my favorite day. So thank you for thank you for this podcast and thank you for giving this voice to the listeners because honestly, I found this podcast by preparing for my class. I, I teach a class specifically for first generation college students and I was looking for resources and I found this podcast and then I was like, I got to find her. Wish she had on the internet. Um, and I started following you and I think that's the best thing I've done all year. Wow. Okay. Tear, tear, tear. And I'm not even like being funny. Like what? Like I, my, my truest wife, what? Oh my God. Like that is inspiring to me. Um, and it's empowering for me to hear that. So thank you for that, that raw and very authentic feedback. That is very meaningful. And I'll tell you why. I'll just be very transparent. And this is something that, you know, just, I mean, telling the family too. Sometimes I wonder what this means, if it means anything. And to hear you say that um, is very energizing and it's very encouraging. So thank you for that. And thank you to those of you who listen as well, who are as encouraging as Donald is right now by tuning in, by sharing. I'm glad to know that the journey is worth it, if that makes any sense. So, whew, my God. It definitely is. Absolutely. All right, well, until next time, we'll, we'll, we'll talk.